Hey sexies, happy holidays and cheers to a new year. Welcome or welcome back to a short erotic sex story written and told by Lala's Bedtime Tells. Before we begin the latest episode, I want to give a very, very special shout out to my patrons who help make Lala's Bedtime Tells possible. A special thank you to Shadera W, Yvette C, OM plus MK, and Ignatius Beauregard. If you would like to help support Lala's Bedtime Tales Erotic Stories podcast so I can keep bringing you all a high quality audio erotica experience, then join Lala's Bedtime Tales Patreon community. I offer seven phenomenal tiers with the lowest one beginning at $5 per month. You'll receive ad-free early access to podcast episodes. Voting rights for the continuation of your favorite podcast stories, behind the scenes content, bonus episodes, and so much more. Also, if you join my Patreon now, you'll be eligible for a holiday VIP exclusive access deal I'm running until the end of 2023. If you sign up for at least the $5 Baby Girl Exclusive Access tier, you'll have access to my upcoming workshop and all future workshops as long as you remain a patron at the $5 tier or higher. Check out the show notes to join my Patreon today. As always, I ask that you please leave me, your favorite erotica writer and storytelling podcaster, a five-star rating and review so I'll know you love this podcast and other erotica lovers will be able to find the sexy podcast too. If you're a Spotify listener, please show me some extra love by letting me know your thoughts on these episodes in the Spotify interaction section. Also, I love naughty, nasty, dirty talk as much as the next person, but please keep it PG-13 so I can share your voice with the world. Do you want sexual health education and expert love and sex advice? For those that don't know, I'm also a sexual health educator and relationship and sex coach. So if you want to level up your love and sex life and unlock the secrets to have more pleasure in the bedroom, follow me on Instagram and Facebook and subscribe to my YouTube channel. Keep listening to learn what's next for Katori in a buck wild Christmas. Attention, attention, just a quick message for me. I'm dropping in with a spoiler alert. This is the second part of a two-part story. So if you haven't listened to part one of A Buckwalt Christmas, then hit the pause button and go back to listen to the first part. I highly encourage you to do so or else you will be extremely confused. You've been warned. It's time for Lala's Bedtime Tales. Grab your wine, dim the lights, and get ready to listen to an oh-so-sexy bedtime story. I'm Lala, and I want to tell you an erotic story guaranteed to turn you on and get you hot and bothered. So, listen up. Howdy, gorgeous. Get ready to take yet another wild ride with Katori Yellowtail. 
We left off with her having to make a very tough decision with how to handle her financial woes, leaving us questioning what terms and conditions does Raphael have for their contract if he agrees to help solve all of her problems this Christmas. Let's find out what Katori decides to do and what she's willing to sacrifice to make this a magical Christmas. Listen up. Every part of my body squeals in pain, begging me to soak it in a nice hot bubble bath. Today, I was really off my game during my bull riding practice sessions. I winced from my muscles protesting as I rubbed my thighs together, thinking about Raphael fucking me hard on the kitchen counter this morning after the kids left for school. Even though, Anytime Raph comes near me, my sex-fevered brain wants me to leap on his dick. The memories of the amazing way in which he fucks me isn't what had me not bringing my A-game to bull riding practice, nor causing me to be clumsy during my chores around the dune catcher bed and breakfast in the ranch. It was his words of offering to help me out of my financial troubles. No matter how hard I tried to fight it, my heart fluttered and blossomed from the idea of being able to deliver a yellow tail worthy Christmas to my younger siblings, to keep our Christmas traditions alive, and to be able to save my mother's legacy in our home. I walked slowly towards the house, thinking about all the difficult conversations and heartache Raph would be saving me from if I agreed to his proposal. I stood outside the front door of our home with my head against it, my mind in turmoil over this hard decision. If I allowed Raph to help me out of this mess, I wouldn't have to lay off what little staff we had left, sending them into unemployment right after the holidays. I didn't want to be that heartless asshole especially with how much help they'd all been rallying around us after my mother died in Utah's accident. If only it weren't my estranged husband, Raphael Chevalier, offering to help me because this decision would be a no-brainer and a true Christmas miracle. Unfortunately, my stomach sinks at the thought of signing over any part of my life to a man with the temperament of a wild card who proudly wore the Chevalier's last name. I need you, Mama. I miss you so much. As usual, I need you to clean up my messes. You're the woman with all the answers, I whisper sadly to myself, my heart lurching and the pit of my stomach doing backflips from the heavy cloud of grief I felt. I desperately needed my mother to help me make this decision. Sometimes, selfishly, I harbored anger toward her for getting cancer and dying, but I knew that was silly. She had no control of her prognosis, nor did she want to leave us so soon. I quickly brushed the hot tears from my cheeks, straightened my shoulders, and put on a brave face as I walked into our home. As I unlock the front door, the weight of the day's stress clings to my shoulders, burdening me like a scorned lover. However, the warmth and familiar scents of our home feel like a well-worn blanket, 
swallowing me up and offering me the comfort I could no longer seek out from my mother. The further I walked into our home, heading toward the kitchen, the smell of chicken and dumplings wafted through the air, causing my heart to swell with joy at the familiar and delicious aroma of my favorite comfort food that instantly captivated my senses. He remembered. He remembered and had made my favorite comfort food to come home to after a long, stressful day of juggling my bull riding career and the ranch. It's moments like this that make it hard for me to remember why I absolutely despise Raphael Chevalier. The promise of my favorite home-cooked meal has the tension in my body beginning to dissipate. Opening the door to the kitchen, the rich aroma, a harmonious blend of herbs, spices, and the unmistakable fragrance of dumplings has my stomach growling in savory anticipation. This scent held happy memories of better times and, most importantly, a promise of nourishment not just for my aching, starving body, but for my tattered soul that needed comfort. I walk over to the pot simmering on low heat on the stove and scoop myself a big bowl of it. As I turn to grab a spoon from the drawer, I stop in my tracks. Feelings of uncertainty, guilt, and warm fuzziness attack my heart. Raphael sits at the kitchen table with Shania and Kaya, helping and supervising them with their homework, something I'd had failed to do over this past year because I'd been so caught up in bull riding and our crippling debt that seemed to double by the second. I'd been a shitty surrogate mother, but it's as if Raph were a natural at it. It had always frustrated me to no end that it seemed like the great Raphael Chevalier was a natural at fucking everything. As grateful as I am for Raph's help with the kids, his incredible culinary skills, and his thoughtfulness, I still wanted him out of my home and out of my life. He was my own personal menace, and his dick was my kryptonite. I didn't need another reminder of our conversation this morning looming over my head. Had the man not gone home to see his parents? What the fuck was Raphael hiding out from? And why was he insistent on doing it here, taking up my personal space and intruding on what little solace I could find in my childhood home? Kaya gives Raphael a big gap tooth smile her long braided ponytail swinging over her shoulder as she shows him her homework. It made me feel even more unsettled how Kaya and Raph gravitated to each other, how attached within these short few hours my younger siblings were getting to Raph. It was like everyone got weak in the knees and suffered from the paralysis of his charisma. That damn Raphael Chevalier charm I could never keep myself from falling victim to. Filling my lengthy gaze on him, Raph lifts his head, turning his beautiful smile and bright green eyes in my direction, making my panties melt right off my body. For a moment extended in time, we simply stare at one another, stirring up shared thoughts of what could have been. It's like I've been transported to a different life. Had we stumbled down the path we deviated from after our marriage in Vegas? The path had we made the decision to take the blue pill, 
a cozy life where Raphael helped our kids with their homework and cooked dinner, and I came home from a hard day of bull riding training. Something we sometimes discussed in the aftermath of our having sex, what I once stupidly, stupidly allowed myself to believe were dreams we shared after we made love with each other. We both opened our mouths to speak, but the slamming of the front door and the loud, obnoxious giggles of a teen girl (laughs) breaks us out of our surreal world, catapulting us back to a reality of the unsettling truths of the messy state of our current lives. Taz stumbles into the kitchen, her eyes bloodshot and looking high and drunk off her ass. My suspicions are confirmed when she comes toward me, eating right out of the pot on the stove, standing so close to me that the strong scents of weed and cheap vodka fill my nostrils. Someone has the mungees, Shania Snickers, causing my temples to throb from stress, because if it's not one fucking thing, it's another. I begrudgingly sit my bowl of chicken and dumplings down on the counter, and without even having to ask, Raph leads Shania and Kaya out of the kitchen to the living room. Tizana oblivious to the world around her, as if she's the poster child for the self-absorbed teenager persona, continues to eat out of the pot as if no one around her exists. Fucking really, Tizana? You're drinking, doing fucking drugs, skipping school, you're about to be 17. I need you and Tocho's help around here. I can't have you being a fuck up, I shout angrily. Ha! Takes one to know one. I'm sorry, weren't you and mom not on speaking terms before she got her cancer diagnosis? I remember her always mumbling and saying prayers under her breath for you because you were so destructive. So, you're one to talk. Tizana fires back, her low blow knocking the wind out of me filling me with guilt and sorrow over the unsaid apologies and appreciation I never got to express to our mother. As you're right, I was and am a fuck up, a big disappointment, but be better than me and definitely be better than you talk. Addiction is a hereditary illness that runs deep in our family. It'll be recreational to you until you're dependent on it and it's ruling your life like Utah and opioids. I don't want that for you. Utah wouldn't. Our mother wanted more for all of you. All of us. She'd be disappointed if she saw you like this. A fucking mess. If you want out of Yellowstone, then getting drunk and partying isn't the way to leave. I shout at Tizana's back. The mention of Utah and our mother gets her attention. Almost as if they have a sobering ability on her. Tizana drops the ladle back into the soup with a loud splash before turning around to face me, towering over me by three inches. Utah is sick. He's not a fuck up like you. He was the golden boy of the Yellowtail family before his accident. And the worst part of being addicted to opioids is him leaving us with your sorry ass. I'd rather have a high Utah rambling around this house than a sober you doing a shitty job as our guardian. Don't ever fucking speak for mom. You're the last person to know what she wanted other than for you not to be the family fuck up. You're not mama. And thank God you're not any of ours. Trust me, I'm getting out of here if it means getting away from you, Katori. Taz retorts, bumping past me hard and leaving the kitchen. Her words stabbed me painfully, 
like the death of a thousand cuts, leaving deep, bleeding slashes that'll never fully heal. I let out a slow, deep breath, my eyes blurring with unshed tears, her insults holding many unavoidable truths that echo through my mind like a hunting of my past poor decisions, a constant reminder of my perceived inadequacies. I'm startled by the heavy, soothing weight of a strong palm on my back, dragging me into his body to comfort me, cocooning me in the unforgettable, calming sense of citrus and bergamot. I hold on to Raph for dear life, pretending we're 12 again, and he's making me my first bowl of chicken and dumplings that he spent days mastering the recipe to impress his best friend. I close my eyes, thinking about the best friend I once fell in love with so, so many years ago. You're better at looking after them in less than 24 hours than I have been these past few years. You're a damn natural wrath. I well into his chest, feeling a sharp, slow stab to the chest. Taz is being an asshole teen. When she wakes up and sobers in the morning, I'm sure she'll feel like shit for what she said to you. Also, don't forget, I'm a big brother and a shitty one at that. It just seems effortless because they're starstruck and I'm a fun celebrity guest, not a parental figure having to discipline and be the bad cop, Raph says, gently kissing the top of my head. That's the thing about Raphael Chevalier. He had a way of warming his way into my psyche when I felt like I hit rock bottom, making me forget that he wasn't the good guy, that he was a formidable foe. But being in his arms, being touched, being comforted, and being kissed by Raph was a privilege I wanted to relax into. I'm fucking miserable, Raph. I'm a terrible parent, and I'm failing terribly at saving the ranch. In the short period of time that my mother has passed on, I've practically lost the ranch, and I can't even afford Christmas, I softly blurt aloud, not even caring if Raphael were saving this information to his arsenal of manipulation tactics. I was tired and at my wit's end. I needed help. And maybe Raph was that Christmas miracle that would keep us from being homeless in just a matter of months. I pull out of his arms, grab his hand, and lead him into my bedroom for some privacy. I think I had finally made my choice because without Raph, I'd be letting down my siblings and giving them all the more reasons to hate my guts if I couldn't deliver on Christmas and eventually lost the only home they ever knew. The one our mother worked herself to be bone to have to pass down to us. How can you help me, Raphael? I begrudgingly asked, crossing my arms over my chest. I can see in my dimly lit bedroom a look of surprise and concern cross his stupidly handsome face. Sell me the dream catcher bed and breakfast, Raphael woodenly states. My head begins to spin as I erupt in hysterical laughter. I am such a fucking idiot. This was probably his plan all along. A wolf in sheep's clothing. Raphael and his entire family were fucking snakes. His father had wanted my mother's land for decades. And now Raph was coming in thinking that my stupid crush and false hopes of being loved by him would have me eager to please and hand over the keys to the Yellowtail family business. Wow. Are you fucking serious? I have to give it to you.
I underestimated you and how fucking low you would sink to give back into Daddy Chevalier's good graces, I seethe, biting out each word through clenched teeth. Raph's entire body goes still, his pupils becoming angry pinpricks, and it seems as if he's not even breathing. His entire face turns red with rage before he responds. Fuck my father. This isn't about him and his business vendettas. I want to help you. I'll buy the ranch from you and we can be co-owners and I'll be a silent partner, the financer until you can get on your feet and buy me out. I stare into his beautiful, furious, deep green eyes, but he's stoic and gives nothing away. My heartbeat accelerated, every fiber of my being screaming at me that this offer was too good to leave on the table, but also too good to be true. Yet, I couldn't escape the crushing reality of our debt. There was no way I could get the payments caught up in the small window of time I had before we were kicked out of our home and the dream catcher shut down for good. Then, his father would be able to get my mother's land and business without having to worry about a big fight. Therefore, with time on his father's side, there wasn't a need for Raphael to play the middleman in his father's business dealings. Maybe Raphael truly wanted to help me and my family. I rubbed my temples before stating, I have a few of my own conditions, and they aren't negotiable. One, if I sell the Dreamcatcher and ranch to you, then it has to be with money from your celebrity chef business. I want Chevalier Cattle Co. to have no power or ties to this business. Two, you will make sure my younger siblings have an amazing Christmas. And three, you'll pay for Utah to go to one of those fancy rehab places we could never afford and find the best treatment center to get him clean. Without hesitation, Raphael looks at me dead in the eyes eyes filled with many promises that make my heart threaten to beat out of my chest, and says, Dill. The third one I'll find, but the rest is up to Utah. I launch myself on top of Raphael's body, knocking him onto the floor of my bedroom and peppering his face with kisses. Our lips met in a slow, deliberate dance. The weight of the day's burdens began to lift from my shoulders. And for the first time since receiving that first termination notice, I felt like I was free of the shackles of financial hardship. His caress down my spine, his hand anchoring my body on top of his, felt like a lifeline, a reassurance that in my labyrinth of the uncertainties of our relationship, there existed in some part of him at least a small piece of love for me. A small part that allowed me to seek a safe haven in him that would help eclipse all my worries. The rhythm of our kisses spoke the secret uncrackable language that we once shared with each other. One of trust, caring, and infallible love for one another, even if we both refused to acknowledge it. In the soft glow of my dimly lit bedroom, tangled in the warmth of Raphael's strong, muscular arms, I felt resilient, untouchable even. The world around us fading away, leaving only the gentle cadence of our shared audible pants as we kissed each other breathless. Take what you need from me, cat, Raphael whispered between our kisses. I gave him a hard, passionate, bruising kiss, pulling away from him just enough for us to discard our clothing. I kneeled on top of him, running his dick through my slick folds before slowly sinking down onto every delicious inch of his massive manhood.
I rocked my hips back and forth, eliciting a moan from both of our lips before setting the pace and riding them hard like a seasoned cowgirl, determined to claim her untamed cowboy. I used his body as a much-needed stress reliever, choosing not to worry about the one complication that would stand between me and Raphael's plan. Utah never liked Raphael Chevalier, and even if he were flying high as a fucking kite and in the worst throes of his addiction, he would never, ever agree to sell our property to a Chevalier. Utah and I were only two years apart, and for a while, it was just me and him against the world until the twins showed up. After 14 years of it just being him, me, and our mother after our father died, we were as thick as thieves, especially during high school. Hence, he had a front row seat to the tumultuous relationship between Raph and me. I can't even blame him for hating Raph. He was my overprotective older brother and he couldn't even protect me from the chaos and catastrophic heartache Raph left me in after disappearing without a word to Los Angeles. I had failed Utah just as much as he had failed me and our siblings. How could I have missed all the signs that he was becoming reliant and a victim of his painkillers? Utah had already been in a depressive state, having to leave his career as a hotshot New York attorney to move back to bumfuck nowhere to care for his five siblings. The death of our mother hit him the hardest. And then he broke his back, unable to walk, left feeling like a burden on us when we were barely keeping everything together. His reality was enough to drive a saint to sin and find comfort in anything that eased the physical pain and mental anguish he suffered. However, I was determined to make our family whole again, even if it would take embracing the sinister whispers of temptation, entering into an unholy alliance, and dancing with the devil himself in the hottest ring of hell. I fiddled with my diamond engagement ring in my hand. I hadn't worn it in years, but I couldn't bring myself to part with it. Even with the mountains of bills and the endless calls from debt collectors, it was as if it grounded me, making it hard for me to trade it in for fast cash at a pawn shop. My heart aches thinking about how I used it as a bartering chip to get Utah to even agree to a meeting with me after tracking him down. He had come around less and less since the money had dried up, and we weren't of use for him to get to his next fix. He valued more than life itself. My heart rate soared, beating so fiercely against my chest that I thought I'd go into cardiac arrest when Utah walked through the door to our kitchen. I come face to face with a stranger. Utah is practically unrecognizable. His appearance bore the heavy weight of a tremendous loss of a hard-fought battle waged against the most broken parts of himself. He used to have an arrogant, proud, confident presence when he walked into a room. Now, he held himself with shoulders that were slumped in shame and a person so downtrodden they had lost their will to live. Utah's once vibrant chocolate brown eyes, dull and lifeless, mirror a soul ensnared by the merciless grip of opioids. 
The hollow contours of his face and sunken eyes spoke volumes about the toll exacted by a relentless addiction. His smooth, flawless, tawny skin, once a canvas of vitality, now clung to bone, a pallid reminder of his body consumed by his drug dependency. Utah was a handsome man that many envied, but that was no longer his reality. Deep lines etched into his complexion told stories of sleepless nights hunted by the specters of cravings and withdrawals. As Utah approached the kitchen table where I sit, his movements were slow, his breathing labored, and his skin pale and sweaty, each step a testament to his exhaustion for being in a loveless, abusive relationship with opioids. The disheveled state of his attire and the distant look in his eyes painted a heartbreaking portrait of a man entrapped in a vicious cycle, a prisoner of substances that had stolen not only his health, but the very essence of his being. Utah doesn't sit or get too close, his body shaking like a leaf. He holds out an open palm towards me and asks, Give me the ring like you promised. I have a guy waiting for it at the pawn shop. I'm desperate. Look, Katori, if I just get this one last fix, I'll work towards staying clean next time. There was always just one last fix. I'll get clean tomorrow because tomorrow is always a day away. I only do it sometimes or I can quit when I want. Yet, the knowledge that these were constant, needless lies didn't stop my heart from cracking into two for him and wanting so desperately to believe his words. His fingers, once nimble, now trembled under the weight of a ceaseless craving, and his arms were littered with angry, purplish-red bruised track marks. You'll get it. I just need you to sign these documents. We're in trouble, and we're going to lose the ranch. Since Mama willed the house and business to the both of us, I can't do anything without your blessing. It's almost Christmas, and the kids don't need any more bullshit to deal with. So... I'll give you the ring once you sign the documents, I explained, clutching my diamond engagement ring in one hand and shoving the sales agreement into his shaky, grimy hands with the other. Utah's dull, soulless eyes slant at me in fury, his body shaking with more rage as he skims through the legal document before tossing it back on the table, shaking his head. You're still so damn stupid, Katori. You're going to sell our land to fucking Chevalier? Do you really think that family gives a damn about you, even as their son's wife? Look, I'll figure some shit out that doesn't give those fucking snakes ownership over us. Give me the fucking ring and I'll see if I can hawk it for enough to catch us up in payments. And I won't spend it all on drugs, I promise. I'm your big bro. I'll get us out of this mess. Utah yells, his frail frame invading my space, his spittle flying across my face. I closed my eyes, wishing I could trust his words, but he was an addict. We fell behind because he was shooting our bill money into his veins. There's no way in hell if I handed over this ring without his signature on the purchase agreement that we wouldn't be homeless after the New Year's countdown celebration. Trusting Utah, an addict, would be like trusting a fragile bridge made of matchsticks. The crossing seems tempting. But the collapse is inevitable, leaving nothing but shattered expectations. Utah, I can't wait for you to figure something out. 
I try to fence the ring for the best price. We're in deep shit. This is our best option. Sign the papers and I'll give you the ring. I repeat, shocking myself with the strength of my voice and the confidence of my words. A facade I wore so bravely with him when really I was on the verge of tears. Utah catches me off guard, lunging toward me, causing me to screech from shock and pain as he holds me tightly by the forearm, shaking me. Utah had never put his hands on me before, but this was no longer the Utah I knew. He had been body snatched by his opioid addiction, and in his place was a rabid man that didn't give a fuck about the destruction he caused, as long as nothing stood between him and his need for a fix. He's not going to fucking love you. Stop pouring yourself out and looking like a dumbass for a man that doesn't give a fuck about you or this family. Give me the fucking ring. Where is it, Katori? Where is it? He shouts so close to my face that I smell the souring scent of his rotten breath. You're, you're hurting me, I yell, trying to wrench myself from his grasp. Utah tosses me to the ground, my head hitting the t- kitchen towel with a loud smack. I see black splotches and silvery floaters as my vision becomes blurry. My head throbs with pain and I hear ringing in my ears. Tears stream down my face and my heart beats hard against my chest as we struggle and tussle on the kitchen floor. Utah lifts a fist in the air and I turn my face, clenching my eyes tightly. But the pain of the hard blow never comes. I wait a few seconds before I open my eyes and see Raphael slam his fist hard into Utah's face. Raph pulls Utah off the ground from where he pushed him and forcefully marches him towards the kitchen door. Wait, I raps out, finding my voice as I scramble to my feet. Both men stop their scrapping near the door and their heads swivel in my direction. I hold up the diamond engagement ring and both men's eyes go wide with surprise, but for different reasons, I assume. Utah takes a step towards me. But Raph grabs him by the shoulder. I let out a shaky breath and say, Utah, it's yours. Just sign the damn papers. Utah's eyes narrow into furious slits. He shoves past Raph and snatches the pen from my hand, signing the paperwork, his need for opioid cash winning over his disdain for Raphael. I swallow hard, my heart feeling heavy, as I drop the engagement ring into Utah's shaky palm hurting from the loss of the memento that I kept close to my heart of the one time I truly felt wanted by wrath. My heart is bleeding from the never-ending growing chasm between Utah and me. And even once he got clean, I was filled with uncertainty that we'd be able to heal from the rift this moment was sure to cause in our relationship. Utah eyed me with so much disdain for forcing his hand to sell our childhood home and family legacy. Don't let him file it yet. Just give me some time. I'll figure this shit out. Utah bites out. I have no choice. It'll be too late otherwise. I plead with Utah. His eyes awash with betrayal as he storms toward the door. If you sell our mother's land, especially to Chevalier, you'll be fucking dead to me, Katori. Utah threatens before walking out the door. His footsteps and loud slam on the front door sounded like a finality I didn't want to examine. I drop into the kitchen chair, heaving and bawling my heart out. I feel Raph's hand 
brushing my hair, trying to soothe me as I ugly cried. You kept the ring all these years, Raph whispers in awe, more to himself than to me. The ring meant a lot of things to me, but more than anything, it had been a reminder that Raphael Chevalier was nothing but a beautiful mirage in a desert, a fleeting oasis promising relief, only to evaporate into the harsh reality of unfilled promises. I had to figure out a way through this mess for me and my siblings that didn't involve the two men in my life I loved with all of my heart, because both had a way of inevitably letting me down when I needed them the most. I stand against the wall of the Yellowstone Community Center that's decked out for the annual Yellowstone River Valley Holiday Celebration. Even in my nicest cowboy boots and prettiest red sweater dress, I feel like a fraud pretending to be full of merriment and cheer. Instead, my mind is light years away. My heart's still breaking from reminders of my last unpleasant meeting with Utah and the growing tension between me and Taz. The only bright side of the past few days leading up to Christmas is how much of a fun time the kids have had sharing our Yellowtail family holiday traditions with Raphael. Naturally, it was his idea to attend this community Christmas shindig in an attempt to keep me from losing my fucking mind this holiday season. However, I think I would have preferred a night at home lounging in my bathtub, getting drunk off spiced mulled wine and eggnog while singing off-key to Wham's Last Christmas, a song that's been stuck in my head on repeat since Raph's arrival back in town. From my quiet corner on the periphery of the Yellowstone holiday party, I give small smiles and pleasant greetings to the seas of familiar faces swirling around me. At moments like this, in large social gatherings, even amongst a crowd of people I've known my entire life, I can't help but feel as out of place as if Mike Myers had been the one holding up the to me you are perfect sign in love actually. It's as if I'm an actor in a movie trying to play a role that everyone else seems to have mastered so effortlessly. My body is so attuned to Raphael's that my gaze involuntarily tracks his every movement. Raph has always been a people person. Even as the chubby kid in middle school who can only talk about baked goods and Gordon Ramsay's Hell's Kitchen, he found a way to get people to become enamored with him. Becoming hotter with every year he ages, a celebrity and the heir to Yellowstone royalty had him navigating the holiday party like a red carpet event. His entrance and every subsequent move marked by lonely women and desperately sex-starved housewives fangirling over him. The echoes of laughter and clinking of glasses had become the soundtrack to my miserable solitude as Raph effortlessly charms everyone in his proximity. Watching Raph awaken memories I buried in my subconscious. Memories of being the girl in high school he could only love in secret because I couldn't embody a fraction of his natural charisma and charm. Every passing minute of being at this holiday party was like a cruel deja vu. A replay of the days when he was the popular chevalier, coveted like some kind of god. And I, just some invisible nobody on the sideline. Watching him give autograph after autograph and take selfie after selfie, I couldn't shake the feeling of inadequacy that I had yet to overcome. 
Even though I had accumulated some fame of my own, being one of the only female bull riders nationwide, I felt like I was watching a movie I'd seen a thousand times. The movie echoes our high school dances, where he was the hot commodity everyone wanted to dance with and to be around. I was just a girl longing to be claimed by him in public, the one he ignored in our school hallways but couldn't get enough of fucking in any secret, secluded place he could find. I felt the weight of the years that had transformed me but left the dynamics of our shared history intact. The crushing weight bearing on my soul because letting Raphael back into my life didn't leave me feeling good about myself. Raphael Chevalier fucked me better than any man I'd ever met. But being in his presence outside of our fucking suck sessions, he only damaged my self-esteem. At that moment, the holiday lights glittered, but the shadows of the past cast a poignant gloom on the festivities, leaving me a prisoner to the negative voices in my head. When Kaya leaped into his arms and they began dancing, she treated him like he was God's gift to mankind, watching my siblings love and enjoy his company more than mine, even though I had made countless sacrifices for them this holiday season, was too much for me to stand. Enough was enough. I had to find a place to lick my wounds in peace. I wandered out of the building, loving the feeling of the bitter cold nipping at my face. I walked along the trail behind the community center, trying to clear my head. Annoyed with always feeling like an understudy or a supporting character in the life work of Raphael Chavalier. I stopped in front of the big rustic red barn we used to use for FFA meetings. I laughed to myself, thinking about the irony of the situation, because this barn held so many memories for me and Raph. Hell, if I thought about it, the entire town of Yellowstone was a constant, painful reminder of shared, unforgettable moments with him. The barn door creaked as I yanked it open. I switched on the lights that slowly illuminated the building, which had completely transformed from what I remembered in high school as a classic storage unit for farm products and equipment to one that now harbored all the events supplies for the multitude of our town celebrations. A couple of bells of hay and blankets lay around the barn as I walked through the maze of party supplies and decorations. I let out a breath I didn't know I was holding as I slipped my metal flask wrapped in worn genuine leather out of the pocket of my sweater dress. Sometimes, I wondered if it was bad that I enjoyed my own company better than time spent surrounded by others. I take a long swig from my flask, enjoying the nutty oak flavor of the bourbon that burned on the way down. You still have the flask I gave you. First the ring, now the flask. I guess I've given you some great things over the years, Raphael's baritone voice says causing butterflies to erratically flutter in my stomach at the mention of a few of my favorite secret reminders of him. I didn't have the heart to toss these things to the side, at least not like how easily he did me in our relationship. Once upon a time, I fell in love with a sweet, sweet fat boy. I've held on to some things in memory of him. I tease, holding the flask out to Raphael. He uncomfortably chuckles at my comment before taking the flask from my hand. My skin prickles as lust courses through my veins at the sexy movement of his throat as he takes long sips from my flask. 
Raph's hand brushes mine as he hands back the flask, his bright green eyes deepening to the darkest green filled with desire, setting my skin aflame and causing my pussy to rob. Our minds share the same memories of all the hot, sweaty sex we had in this barn, leaving us spent and breathless like we participated in a triathlon. The feel of his warm, big thumb rushing across my lip before grabbing me by the nape of my neck to seize me for a kiss is my fucking undoing. Every bad thought that warned me away from him evaporates, and it's just me and him and the promises of a good fucking time, a stark contrast to what began as a lonely, depressing night. Raphael kisses me hard and possessively, Entangling our bodies on the blanket atop the bell of hay, the air thick with sexual warmth and anticipation. Our lips tangle in a fiery dance, causing my nipples to grow oh so hard and oh so erect as my clitoris pulsates between my thighs. I mold myself to his body, wrapping my arms around his neck and my legs around his hips pulling him closer to me as our tongues dart and tangle into each other's mouths. Raphael pulls away first, breathing heavily, untangling himself from my grasp and standing to his full height. Strip for me, cat. I want to see that sexy fucking body of yours in this barn for old time's sake. Raph commands, crossing his arms and quirking his eyebrow in a challenge. I smirk to myself as I stand, feeling jittery, enjoying when Raphael orders me around in sex-charged emphasis, and I close my eyes listening to the loud sound of the muffled Christmas music carrying through the air from the community center's Christmas party. I don't have many layers to take off, but I was going to prolong my striptease because it brought me sheer joy to watch Raphael sweat a little bit. I slowly sway my hips from side to side, my hands caressing my breasts as I skim my hands down the indent of my waist until I'm gripping the flared hem on my red sweater dress. I spin around in a circle until my ass is facing Raphael as I slowly tug the skirt around my waist. I hear Raph suck in a deep breath, letting out a low whistle as I bend my body in half and bouncing my ass from side to side, feeling the liquid courage take over. I stand up, slowly lifting the dress over my head, spinning around to toss it at his feet. The look of his hunger, desperation, and watching his restraint slowly splinter to pieces eggs me on as I put on my floor show for Raphael. I stand in front of him, my skin flushed with arousal, my chest heaving from excitement and his hot gaze burning as his dark green eyes peruse my curves that are covered in small scraps of black floral lace, my lacy g-string and balconette bra barely containing my full c-cup breasts and insinuating my toned ass. I wiggle out of my thong, tossing it to him, which he catches and holds the damp seat of my panties to his nose his eyes rolling to the back of his head like he's inhaling the finest scent and getting high off the scent of my aroused pussy. I strut towards him as he tucks my panties into the pocket of his dark wash jeans. I unclaps my bra, 
letting the swollen mounds of my breasts hang free, my nipples elongating under his gaze, my nipples growing harder and more erect than I'd ever imagined as my pussy grows slicker, my juices dripping down onto my inner thighs. I wrap my bra around Raph's neck, pulling his face down between my breasts. He pinches and kneads my nipples, eliciting a low, throaty groan from my parted lips as he licks and sucks the tops of my titties. I pull away from him, but as I move to discard my cowboy boots, Raphael stops me with a hand on the back of my shoulder. Leave them on. I want to fuck you just like that. Now, show me how you like to fuck yourself, Raph demands, his voice deeper, harsher, and his words drip with lust. My pussy quivers, longing for the fill of Raph lodged deep inside me, fucking me hard, long, and deep. I walk back to the bell of hay, taking a seat on the blanket, my right hand toying with my nipples as my left hand scissors between my slick folds, lubing them up before plunging two fingers deep inside my hot, wet pussy. I close my eyes imagining Raphael's hand between my thighs and his tongue and mouth sucking and licking my nipples as I play with my pussy until I moan and my entire body shakes for pleasure. What do you think about when you fuck yourself at night, Raph groans out. I think about your dick inside of me, fucking me hard and fast. Your mouth on my nipples, sucking on them until they're painfully sensitive, and you slapping my ass until I come. I moan, striking the delicious spot deep inside of me. I'm a writhing mess, deliriously sex-crazed, and my needy pussy is sopping wet, desperate, and starving for Raph to be balls deep inside me. I'm about to beg for his dick when I feel a sharp slap of leather against my swollen clitoris. The stinging pain spreads a fire through my pussy before it tingles with pleasure. I open my eyes, letting out a shocked whimper as I see Raphael's gorgeous, muscular, naked frame looming over me. He holds a black riding crop he's found somewhere and his tattoos look so damn tasty. Hold your angles tight for me, baby, Raphael grinds out, lifting my legs until I'm folded in half. I hold my ankles that are sitting next to my ears. My clitoris throbs as he runs the riding crop up and down my pussy that's drenching wet. Once he gets it nice and lubricated with my arousal, he rubs it against my lips, forcing it into my mouth, making me taste the salty sweetness of myself. If you let go of your ankles, I won't let you come, Raph threatens as he taps my clitoris hard with the crop, causing my body to flinch as the nub between my thighs throbs making me groan from ecstasy. Raph slaps my ass and my clit with my crop, causing me pleasurable pain, making me scream from how it hurts so good. With every slap of the leather to my ass, every stroke of the crop on my clitoris, the sliding of it through my slick folds and the tweaking of my nipples, I grow more and more sexually frustrated. Please, Raph, I pant about ready to crawl out of my skin, my hot, wet core spasming around its emptiness, my clitoris growing a second heartbeat. 
I couldn't take any more of his teasing as the crop slaps down on my clitoris, causing me to bite my lip, enraged by his edging. Please what, baby? Come on, use your words like a good girl, and I just may fulfill your request. Raph taunts, running the crop over my painfully hard nipples. Fuck me, Raph. Fuck me right fucking now, I shout watching as he drops the riding crop to the ground after whacking my sore ass cheeks one more time. He rips open a condom, rolls it over his dick, and slams into me hard and fast. My pussy is so wet and aching that I clench down on him, my orgasm ripping through my body at the feeling of his dick, filling me to the hilt. He bucks into me hard and fast, fucking me through my orgasm. His breath is harsh against my ear as he dives into my pussy deeper, his body weighing me down, trapping me so I can't move, allowing him to control the punishing rhythm he sets with each thrust of his hips. I'm his fuck toy to use my pussy how he sees fit, and I fucking love it. Ralph slides his dick out of me, teasing me with shallow circles at the entrance of my pussy dragging the head of his thick, big dick across the sensitive nerve endings at my pussy's opening as he takes my ankles from my hands, positioning my hips raised slightly off the hay bale and wrapping my legs securely around his waist. He plunges back into me hard and fast, and from this angle, with me balancing on my shoulders, my back in an arch, his dick feels bigger, deeper, and I feel so fucking full. He fucks me until I feel my entire body begin to shake, my moans growing into groans and turning into screams of ecstasy as I feel my second orgasm begin to build. He picks up his pace, his dick hitting my G-spot over and over until I'm launched into another galaxy, into the sweetest oblivion as I see fucking stars. I scream out his name, feeling his dick twitch inside of me as he comes hard and loud before his big body collapses on top of me. He lifts his head with Herculean strength after fucking me so hard, kissing the dampness of my temple and pushing my hair out of my face. He looks down at me, his eyes filled with so much emotion that I don't want to examine it too much. He rises from me, the cold air hitting my naked body and causing me to shiver. He takes off the condom, his dick growing hard again as he slips on another one. Before I can blink, think, or say anything, he picks up my limp body, anchoring my legs around his waist and sliding home back into my sore, hot, wet pussy. He sits down on the bell of hay and begins thrusting his hips inside of me, and I'm so fucking horny and always craving his dick that I wrap my arms around his neck and grind my hips down to meet him thrust for thrust. I ride his dick, rolling my hips, loving the feel of my clitoris grazing against his pelvis. He sucks that pulsing spot on my neck until I'm panting and breathless. I want to fuck him forever. His little kisses, his whispers of praise as he pounds into my pussy is heaven on earth. I can't get enough of Raphael and his massive dick that weaves a spell around me. I bounce on his cock, my heart threatening to beat out of my chest like I've run a marathon. My body begins to shake as his thrust becomes more erratic and fast. I clench down on his dick as we wring the climax out of each other. 
He holds his sweaty forehead to mine. Time seems to stand still, and I allow myself to sink into this moment because Christmas is coming in two days, and I didn't know how I'd feel once Raph walked out of my life again. Even if I didn't miss him, I knew I'd miss his amazing cock. Raphael licks the sweat from my neck, inhaling my scent before kissing me long and hard. He places his sweaty forehead against mine, hugging me closer to his body, ensuring I'm unable to move out of his embrace. The air in the barn is heavy with the scent of hay and the faint musk of our recent fuck session. He kisses me again, but this time sweetly, his soft lips lingering against mine. He has a strange hesitancy about him as he strokes my spine, sending shivers through my body. Raphael slightly loosens his grip around me, tugging my chin up to make me meet his gaze. He looks as if he wants to speak, but is gathering his thoughts like the words he's about to utter are foreign to his tongue. I love you, Katori Chevalier. I've always loved you, and I can't end our marriage. I won't. I feel like my heart is ripping out of my chest at the thought of undoing that night we shared in Vegas. You're mine, girl. No matter the distance, no matter what, Raphael declares, his beautiful green eyes staring down into my unguarded face. His words are a shock to my system, hanging in the air, suspended between us like a delicate snowflake caught in a gust of wind, beautiful yet fleeting leaving me to wonder if it's reality or just a momentary illusion from the intimacy of him holding me in his arms after fucking me senseless. I feel a deadly storm of emotions brewing within me. His words coming over a decade too late. I fight the warmth that tries to kindle in my heart from hearing these three little words I've so desperately wanted to hear from him for years. But now his profession is tempered by a cold hard skepticism that consumes me. Did Raphael Chevalier even know the meaning of the word love? His actions over the years had always felt like he was too afraid to get close to me, having to hold me at arm's length, making me feel like I was a contestant on The Bachelor constantly having to audition for his love. After all the humiliation, pain, silence and distance that had grown between us over the years, I didn't know if I could ever trust this stupidly handsome man with my heart again. I'm sure he didn't know what he was saying. He probably blurted it out, overcome with the nostalgia of the rustic charm of the barn and the memories of simpler times, having briefly bridged the emotional chasm between us. I searched the depths of his beautiful green eyes, seeking his truths, looking for answers and feeling so close to him, but worlds apart because so much had changed between us and for us. We were no longer the same people, no longer the blissfully ignorant 19-year-olds that carelessly tied each other together. We were two star-crossed souls, weathered by times and tribulations, standing on the precipice of a decision that could mend or irreparably break what was left of us. I felt so fucking torn, those three little words stirred something within me, a flicker of hopes or the dying embers of a love that had once consumed me to a point I didn't think I could go on without him. <laughs> Say something, Kat. Anything. Please. Raphael whispered, his eyes pleading with mine. 
I closed my eyes, taking in the whirlwind of this week since he showed up unannounced, guns blazing and consuming my world. We need to get back before the kids start looking for us, I murmur, his brows scrunching in confusion and his eyes looking hurt. His arms loosened around me as I removed myself from his cock. We dressed in silence, my mind filled with confusion. Confusion clouded my heart with a devastating mixture of longing, fear, and still that faint flicker of hope. But I had so much riding on Raphael and I's partnership with the Dreamcatcher that I didn't know if I could risk allowing my heart to get involved. Thank God for online shopping. Next day delivery and Raphael Chevalier. I hold the mug of spiked hot cocoa to my lips, loving the sound of my younger sibling's excitement on this Christmas morning. None of this would have been possible without the stupidly handsome man making family Christmas pajamas look damn sexy as he sits beside an eager Kaya explaining her robotics kit to him. Raphael's gaze caught mine and he gives me a wink and a huge smile, causing my heart rate to accelerate as my body flushed, and I felt a tingle at the base of my spine that caused my clitoris to throb in sexual anticipation. It had taken us more hours than necessary to get all the gifts wrapped and under the Christmas tree because Raph fucked me from the side, in missionary and in doggy under the Christmas tree, with me biting down on the Christmas tree skirt in fear of waking up the kids as he pounded my pussy until I couldn't think straight. The memory of our Christmas Eve spent wrapped in each other's arms, sweaty, sexually satiated, and exhausted from fucking until we could barely keep our eyes open, and me waking to him thrusting inside of me this morning had me rubbing my legs together, desperately aching to fill his cock deep inside of me once again. When are we going to talk about what happened at the community Christmas party? Raph questions, his hot breath causing the hairs on the back of my neck to stand. I close my eyes, his words drying up my pussy and killing my hopes of us sneaking off to my bedroom for a quickie while the kids were distracted by all their shiny new belongings. I gesture with my head to the hallway so as not to cause a big commotion in front of the kids. What's there to say? I asked, shrugging and taking a long sip of my hot cocoa. The warmth from the sweet, chocolatey notes and the cinnamon taste of the whiskey calms my nerves. <laughs> Ralph laughs aloud, asking, You cannot be serious. I love you. I told you I've always loved you, and I don't want this to end between us, and you haven't said anything back. Am I alone in my feelings? I stare into his bright green eyes that he's left unguarded for me. They're filled with fear and clouded with hurt as the silence stretches between us like a video game glitch. The characters frozen in a moment of suspended animation. The narrative stuck in an unresolved loop. I didn't know how to respond to his question. Of course I loved Raphael Chevalier. He isn't alone in his feelings, but unlike him, I couldn't selfishly just think about my feelings and what I desired. I had four kids relying on me, and Raphael lived miles away from Montana, 
but a life and celebrity image. He had to think that his declaration of love was irrational to our current life circumstances. Wrath, those are words I've wanted to hear since I was 13, but they're too late. I love you, but I start to explain before he invades my space, his hand tilting my chin up, making my sorrowful eyes clash with the white hot anger of his gaze. But nothing. You love me. I love you. There's nothing to consider. We will make it work, Raph states, placing his forehead against mine and pulling my body closer to his. Wow, you haven't learned anything, have you? Utah's gravelly voice states. His presence was a thankful intrusion on this awkward argument, even if his comment was unwelcome. I used the moment of shared shock between Raphael and me to pull out of his embrace. What the fuck are you doing here? Raphael grounds out between clenched teeth, pushing me behind him and getting into a protective stand. Last time I checked, this was my house, Utah responds, both men like two bulls in a heated standoff, the tension thickening with each passing second. Utah looked frail, sickly, and bad but his clothing was clean and presentable, unlike the last time I saw him, and his eyes weren't blissed out and wild like a man who's just had his last hit. Actually, not for much longer. The paperwork has been filed, and after the holidays, it'll be processed, and your little sister and I will own this property. So go back to whatever crack house you crawled out of, Utah. Raphael insults Utah as he wraps his arm protectively around my shoulder. Guilt settles like a boulder in my stomach, burning it like I've consumed an entire bottle of pure evil 13 million hot sauce, the uncomfortable heat spreading through my insides like a relentless wildfire of regrets. Wow, you're such an idiot, Katori, to think you could trust a chevalier over your own flesh and blood. What did he do or say this time? Continue his promises of forever? finally tell you he loves you are you that dense he's using you like always only this time the stakes were higher and now a chevalier owns the land our mother never wanted to part with utah screams walking towards us his reprimand making me feel about two feet tall and worse than horseshit i do love my wife i always have she did what she needed to do, unlike you, who were too busy shooting toxins into your fucking veins to give a shit about your family. If you're going to be angry at anyone, be angry at yourself and your piss poor choices. Raph bellows. My eyes blur with tears and I open my mouth, but nothing comes out because the words are stuck behind the big lump currently lodged in my throat. Utah looks between us and snorts. He laughs loudly until his entire body shakes as he looks between us. Did you both lay all your cards on the table? Do you know everything about Katori? Utah asks and bile begins to rise in my throat as I try to take a step forward. But I'm too late as Utah speaks. If so, I should congratulate you on your fatherhood. But I guess I'm a decade too late, huh? But congratulations, Katori. At least after our mother's death, one of all of our hopes and dreams came true. You, Kaya, and Raphael can finally be a happy family. I feel Raph tense beside me, his face turning an ashen white. 
I see the enjoyment cross Utah's face and his shoulders strain as if his choice to unearth a family skeleton helped him find the confidence that his addiction had stolen from him. I see four pairs of shocked eyes peer around the corner, knowing they'd been eavesdropping this entire time. My eyes clasped with bright green eyes filling with tears, her entire body shaking with sobs as Utah bumps past us, not even acknowledging the destruction he left by dropping his truth bomb. Tanzana gives me a hate-filled glare, her arms wrapping around Kaya, trying to comfort her. You're married to Raphael Chevalier? Shania questions confused. Most importantly, Kaya is a chevalier, and she's not our sister but our niece. What other lies have you been telling? Toto asks vehemently. Before I can respond, Raphael's entire face turns a deep crimson, his big muscular frame shaking, and he hisses, How fucking could you? Madita para tonta. I began to shake, cowering as his insulting words hit me like each one a bullet to my heart. I, I was going to tell you, all of you, someday. I was 19, alone, pregnant, and scared. I did, I began stepping towards a crying Kaya who recoils as I approach her, hurting worse than Raphael calling me a fucking dumbass bitch in one of his native tongues. I couldn't bear the thought of Kaya, my little one, angry at me, or even worse, resentful and hating me. She was the reason for my existence, and I loved her with every part of me. Every time I looked at her, it was as if my heart whispered, this is what true love feels like. The best parts of me and Raph were reflected in Kaya. She was a living embodiment of my deepest affections. You should have called me. You should have let me know. Instead, you what? Let your mother raise our child while you went off and led a bull riding career? You're fucking selfish, Katori. Raphael screams, causing me to practically jump out of my skin, having forgotten his existence. I'm sorry to the both of you. To everyone. No one was supposed to find out like this. I, I cry as Raphael holds up his hand, and the only sound in the room I can focus on is the heartbreaking sobs of our daughter. Your sorry won't give me the 10 years back I missed with my daughter. Forget what I said earlier. Not even love can repair the 10 years of deceit. You know, even if you had said something when I came back to town, I may have been able to forgive you. But you let me in your home. You let me spend time with Kaya. And never once did you think to tell me she were, were mine. I want a divorce in custody of Kaya, Raph states, his voice cracking yet calm. My entire body goes cold, my feet planted on the ground. I struggle to find the words as Raphael whispers something into Kaya's ear before touching all of my siblings' shoulders and walking out the door. The loud slam woke me from my trance. My siblings and Kaya look at me with disgust before abandoning me in the hallway. I feel distraught and heartbroken. This Christmas was almost perfect. I was finally seeing the light at the end of the tunnel, but now my life had become more of a fucking mess than it was before Raph had walked back into it. If only I had signed the divorce papers at the Sagebrush Sippin' Saddle Bar a week ago, I wouldn't be in this mess. Now, how was I going to make everything right? Would that even be possible now? 
I just desperately still needed my Christmas miracle. It seems like Katori's Christmas miracle did come, but at a cost. Do you think it's possible to mend this mess with her siblings and Raphael? How will Raphael handle his co-ownership of this ranch with his wife? If you would enjoy a continuation of the story, then please join my Patreon and let me know. Stay sexy and you'll hear more amazing jaw-dropping, panty-melting tales in 2024. Until next time, ta-ta for now. Oh, so hot and sexy bedtime stories from Lala Bedtime Thanks for tuning in to this week's erotic tale. For more erotic stories, sex tips, love advice, and sexual education, check out lalasbedtimetales.com and add me on Instagram for more erotic and sensual content at Lala's Bedtime Tales. Please comment and share your fave sexy bedtime stories with erotica enthusiasts like you and me. Ta-ta until next time, sexies.